guys. Thank you for tuning back into Adult Kids Podcast. My name is Mags, and I'm your host. And I've got a guest with me here today. His name is Chris Starr. And, uh, I mean, that's not his government name, but we don't even know that. Not at all. <laughs> but, yeah, so he's going to give us a little bit of information about some of the stuff that he does with music and music business. And this is going to be for, like, an episode that's more for, like, budding artists. Like dramatic story to motivate you. Remember, and we're here. So uh, I invited Chris on to basically tell his story, um, talk about what he does, and basically give you a couple of like little pointers on how you can invest in yourself a little bit better. So um, I guess we can start with how we met. Yeah. We met in San Diego. San Diego. San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. We met in San Diego at uh, the Art Institute of San Diego. Before it <laughs> before it closed down. Before it closed down. And that's a whole nother story. But Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, it was mostly military yeah. trauma with the GI Bill stuff, right? Yeah. It was so like sketch stuff. I don't yeah, know. yeah. It's like what happened is the school essentially lost its collegiate uh license oh their accreditation yeah their accreditation so literally the school just shut down like we came in on thursday and they were like yeah we don't know if the school's going to shut down or whatever and then we came in on friday and they were like yeah so today's the last day I didn't know you were still going there when it shut down, bro. So I achieved my uh, bachelor's degree in graphic design, web design um, with marketing focus. Mm -hmm. And after that, like I still wanted to do my my initial reason for going there was to do music and to do the. You were doing audio engineering first. That's right. I tried. Uh, I tried to get in with audio, but. Uh, my GPA from high school is way too low. Like when I was in high school, like I just didn't care. Like I C's get degrees to me. You know yeah, what I mean? No, so true, it's like yeah. <laughs> my my GPA was like a two point three and I think you needed to like a two point five to get like into the the audio program. Oh okay. so they were like, Well, just take one or two semesters, knock out your general courses because you have to do that anyway. Mm-hmm. And then second semester switch into the audio program you'll be all right so i was like all right cool yeah let's do that and then 11th semester came and i got a fa- i got a degree in something that i didn't even want to do that's like, crazy i went that's all the way through you, the though. whole thing yeah that's how they do you though because yeah. like it's supposed to be an accelerated program yeah but then like you know it's just like regular school it's just like you take your basics you learn more information and right, you're like right. oh wait there's a whole world out there i want to do more yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. and then like you get all confused so that's that's ultimately what happened and then um i was like well i still want to go for um audio you mm-hmm. know that was my whole reason of going to the school so they were like oh well you've already got all your general ed out of the way so it would only be six terms mm-hmm. and then you graduate with your audio i was like perfect program going to the art institute of san diego Mm-hmm. Got all the way to term four, two terms away from graduating, and the school shut down. So I've had a journey when it comes to music and wanting to do music. It seems like the entire world has been against me right. achieving that goal. Mm-hmm. And that's what kind of lit the flame for me. Like, no, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. And nobody's going to be able to stop me from doing it. Yeah, and you know what's cool about what you're doing is you're, like, really 
being a millennial about it. Like you're really taking advantage of the internet. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. you really are. You're using like as much technology as you possibly can. Yeah. And that's another cool, cool thing. And appreciate that. And <laughs> <laughs> and then I know you went to school. You said you went to school in LA after that. Yeah. Whole so debacle. I, did, I did. Like, um, once the art institute closed down, uh, and I realized like, you know, I couldn't get my education back or um, get the money back that I paid to the school or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up going to uh, voc rehabilitation. So vocational rehabilitation is for veterans. Um, and basically they will pay for you to get a whole new education. Like you. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you can't. So say you have a bachelor's degree in what I had a bachelor's degree in, which is graphic design and web design. Mm -hmm. Well, I suck at that. Like, I'm just going to keep it all the way a buck. I know it. If you put me in front of Photoshop, I know how to work Photoshop. I know how to work Illustrator. I know how to do all these other things, um, surface level. But is it, does it translate to the working world? No. Not at all. See, that's what my degree was in, was graphic design. And I did one contract, one. I Mm. made a good money. But the communication barriers, yeah. the constant going back and forth. And then as an independent contractor, they're like, you need to be at our office at this time for this yeah. meeting. And it's, it's like, just like, no, 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 yeah. Your project manager should have all that stuff together. Yeah. And then I should just get a list of what I need to work on and then like some feedback, you know, right. like. Right. But, you know, I think when we were getting out of school with that that degree it was a newer degree and i think what yeah. was happening at that time was that people didn't really know how to incorporate that into their businesses that they were already running right 100 percent. Right. I, like, I fervently believe that i i worked for one month yeah in a graphic design field and i worked for uh, a company called vanguard who makes um uh insignia mm-hmm. uh like military insignia for like suits and uh dress blues and things of that nature right so Mm -hmm. um like all those uh you know in the army you wear your rank on your chest they were the ones who like made those and shipped them out you know Mm -hmm. so if you go like on post and you go to like the 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 post shopping place uh the exchange oh like the navy exchange yeah 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 yeah, yeah, you see those like red boxes that are up on the walls yeah and it has all the insignia and everything in it oh okay. that's what they manufacture oh, okay cool. so my job was to take those insignia and do you to, guys make the battle tokens too or yeah no? battle oh, tokens cool. insignias everything that's like cool the little teddy bears that look like an army guy or <laughs> okay guy. nice they, they do all of that stuff yeah um and it's actually in carlsbad so i worked for them for like a month right um Needless to say, like, I sucked so bad. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It was like, I came in and I was, you know, what sold them Mm -hmm. is my knowledge of SEO, my knowledge of um, e-commerce, my knowledge of, like, all those things. Because I'm like, you know, I know how to start businesses. Like, I know how to run an e-commerce business and, like, scale it. I know Mm -hmm. how to do a character analysis and Mm -hmm. SEO and all these different things. And they were like, you're hired. And nice. they brought me in, sat me at a desk and gave me a computer and said, hey, can you digitally do this? And I'm like, well, no. Um, <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> like I, I told you I was good at e-commerce. Like I figured I, was, I would be running kind of that 
department, they're like, yeah, but we need like you to do other things. Yeah. And I'm like, bro, I'm not your graphic design. Like, I was never a tagger. I yeah. didn't doodle on my papers. <laughs> like, You're like, you I know? am technical, technical, technical. Yeah, like, like <laughs> stick figures all day yeah. for people. You know, yeah. oh, this is, this is you because he's wearing a hat. And this is you because she's got a bun. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like, like the, uh, that's me, you know? Uh, and so ultimately, like, I was there for one month from October to November. And uh, I started October 1st. And boom, boom, boom. I was working. It was cool. They put me on salary. They brought me in. It was like 56000 a year salary. Mm-hmm. Like, I was getting maybe like nineteen, Which is like change in yeah, California. Change. Like, not, that's yeah. not even the median income there. <laughs> yeah, it was It was like, and <laughs> yeah. at first I was like, ooh, 50000 a year. Like, mm-hmm. that's cool. I'll yeah. do that. And then I got paid, and my paycheck was like 1900 bucks. Yeah. I was like, this isn't enough. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> this doesn't this, feel right. This isn't enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's really hard and challenging for artists that are trying to go that honest route, that honest working route, yeah. too, like going to school, doing the yeah. job. Especially because, yeah. like, a lot of the budding artists, especially in our community, like, are from fucking shitty neighborhoods yeah, you know let's exactly. be real <laughs> I'm being you know they're from yeah, like yeah. really like poor low income neighborhoods and they always try to like you know stop all of that gang related shit and they 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 really want to go the straight and narrow but then like you have them come into your office and you don't want to pay them any money right like see this is the, that's the and problem and then at the that's same time you don't want crime in your neighborhood it's <laughs> like, a disconnect right like so incongruent for me um you're absolutely right. Like when I was younger, um, I I didn't necessarily live in a crazy neighborhood, mm-hmm. um, but my circumstances were crazy, which led for me to feel like I didn't belong mm-hmm. in that neighborhood. You see what I'm saying? So it's yeah. like I lived in a low-income housing right across the street from Cal State University, San Marcos. Mm-hmm. So imagine like waking up every day. Um, going to school, I went to San Marcos High School, um, going to school and then coming home and go, walking across the street and you're with trust fund babies and you're with all these people <laughs> yeah. who have like, I, I knew this guy, he had a jacked up truck mm-hmm. and he, he, he lived on his own. He was a single child, like only child. And like, dude was living his life. And here I am living in this like three bedroom, you know, low income housing Barely any windows in the house. It felt like jail, like mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. And um, circumstances were crazy with my mom, and she was working like three jobs since I was a kid. You know what I yeah. mean? And and we're scraping by, but I'm seeing these kids just throw like thousands and thousands of dollars away, like getting drunk one night and then waking up being like, ah, I don't want to go to school. Like, mm-hmm. not to say that. I envied them or I was jealous or any of that stuff. It's just I counted my blessings a little bit differently because of the circumstances that I was in. Mm-hmm. And um, I honestly would contribute as like, uh, I don't know, call me, you know, demon angel and angel <laughs> angel. You know what right. I'm saying? Like I'd look at the demon angel and be like, you know, angel angel would be like, yo, this your friend, like, tell him to chill out. You know yeah. what I mean? Get your stuff together. Like, you probably should go to school. And then Demon Angel is like, what, nigga? Free food. Like, what are we talking <laughs> No, I get <laughs> it. It's a barbecue, bro. Like, he said barbecue, get drunk. <laughs> Those are the key words. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? So, I don't know. It just never really registered with me t- to, like, Ouch. um, 
kind of feed into that. Like, I was just like, you know what? I got to get my shit together. Like, it made me focus on me more. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I remember growing up, uh, not nearly the same thing at all. Like, we're the first black family in our, like, suburban area. Yeah. But then my mom and dad split up, and my mom became a cab driver, and that's what set me apart from everybody. It was, Mm. like, Mm. getting dropped off in a cab at school. (laughs) (laughs) Have a good one. You need a ride? (laughs) And people were always like, is your your mom a cab driver? And I'm like, yes, my mom's a cab driver. Shut up. (laughs) Like, yeah. Uh, Yeah. But, no, I remember feeling a little different from that because my mom worked for the whole house. Okay. And, like, my dad paid child support, and he was supportive. But it was weird having one parent all the time mm-hmm. because, like, if you got in an argument with her or something, there's nobody else to, like, vent to. Yeah, yeah, there's nobody to. to go to. There was no third-party mediator. Yeah, to, like, process your emotions. Like, hey, I feel like she doesn't understand me right now. There's none yeah. of that with, like, a single-parent household. Yeah, for sure. And then on top of that, we're mixed. You know, like, my dad was Catholic Puerto Rican. My mom is Jehovah's Witness that's black. <laughs> we're, like— <laughs> 14th generation black yeah, like, yeah. you know what I mean like we've been in America for a while so like it is just super super weird household to grow up in and yeah, uh, yeah no I definitely understand that like there there were a lot of times where I was tempted to do things that I, I, I shouldn't have done you know Yeah. and I just remember that I wanted this is why I always stress like the importance of extracurriculars because like I didn't want to go home like I didn't want to be around mom she was, she was crazy so I was like there's so many parallels yeah, I just yeah. wanted to be at school as much as possible I didn't even care what extracurricular I had I was like I don't even care about what I'm doing band I, I love music but like I don't really care because like yeah. I'm just trying to get away from home yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, no, I and that's why like another reason like is like, such a good way to motivate other people especially artists that are going through stuff right now is yeah. like letting them know like Hey, it, you may not feel like in love with your stuff right now, and it's probably because you're going through something traumatic. Like, yeah. don't give up on your art, you know, and like you're just going through something traumatic, and pain is temporary, you know? Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think I'm right there with you. I had to learn it the hard way, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I was the kid who um, in high school felt like I'm pretty popular. Like, everybody likes me, everything's cool. Like, I'm gonna, if I have to move out of my house, like, same as you, right? Mm-hmm. My dynamic was so estranged. I just didn't want to go home. I just yeah. wanted to stay away as much as possible. Didn't want to be around moms. Moms, you know, she had the worker bee side of her. Well, and, and then, you lived like living in San Marcos. I don't know how much parents put into the schools out there. Yeah. But like y'all probably didn't have because I know when I moved out there and I was living out there and I, right before I met you, I found out that like none of those high schools had shit. Yeah. Nothing. Like there was like nothing for was, them to do. Yeah. Nothing. It's like, well, that's why people are getting in trouble all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, they want to stay at school, not, but they not, don't want to stay at school doing school shit. Right. <laughs> like, right. I don't want to stay and read and, a book. And not, not so much because um, my mom, um, like there were enough f- extracurricular activities to keep us like busy. Mm-hmm. Right, it's just my mom was always busy. Right, so all I wanted her to do was be a mother. Yeah, right? hang out. Not to be soft story or anything, but I wanted my mom to be a mom. Right, and um, she didn't get that opportunity, maybe because of how the economics were or how things kind of panned out. Mm-hmm. But my mom couldn't be a mom. Like she, yeah. she had to be dad because my my father left when I was young, um, and then she had to be, you know, the the breadwinner. And she had to be um, 
the the person who was rooted in Christ and was at church and she had to be faithful to God. Mm -hmm. And then she had, so she had all these different outfits and the one outfit that I feel like she just completely overlooked was the mother outfit. Yeah. Like she did everything she had to do to keep us out of trouble or to keep food in the house or to do all that stuff. But the one thing she forgot to do. Like the intimacy. Is that. Yeah. It's like, like hang out with your kids. Yeah. Get to know us. Like know what I love and know about me like to where if there is a time that you have a potential to be able to support, Mm -hmm. you knew how. Yeah. And that and that was the disconnect. It was more so like you should do this, right? Rather than so, what do you want to do? Yeah, I mean, and so my dynamic completely changed. I um, and I'm just gonna be like all the way plutonic here. I started uh, gang banging. Mm-hmm. I started hanging out with because I mean I don't know if you know the song "Dear Mama" like by Tupac, right? Yeah, where he was like, you know. I, I hung out with the thugs, but even though they sold drugs, they sold a young nigga love. Like, yeah. that's exactly what it was yep. for us. It, it was. It wasn't that I was trying to be something that I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I, I love to fight. I love to. Um, I loved anarchy and like just you know not being a part of a system. Mm-hmm. I like to, to buck against it. Yeah, you feel me? Yeah. So ultimately, I was like. Shit, here's a bunch of kids who are in the same boat. I'm talking 24 all the way down to, like, 13. Right. Who are all in the same boat. Oh, we're, we're this, we're that, we're, we're you know. Mm-hmm. And we wrote as a clique. And the issue that I had— I mean, there's no prerequisite for crime. That's why it's so easy no, to get yeah, into. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> you know, like, it's you don't like, have to, like— You don't have to qualify. You yeah, just have to be you, able to not tell on somebody. Yeah, and that's what <laughs> makes it so easy for kids to, like, rule the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, I don't know if you remember, like, that book, Clockwork Orange. Yeah, yeah, And then yeah. that movie, Kids. yeah. Yeah, that's what's happening right that's now. Exactly what's happening. Like, well, kids has been happening forever, but right. obviously because of the aid epi- pandemic. But, uh, but like, uh, yeah. But when it comes to the Clockwork Orange, you know, how teenagers like running yeah, shit, basically running, in that book. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's it. They were like fucking raping chicks. Yeah, just fucking doing whatever. The <laughs> doing fuck, whatever and, they because wanted. there's no prerequisite for that shit. And then like, exactly. and then there's nowhere for these kids to go now. Yeah. And then so now they're on TikTok, Instagram, yep. Yep. and they're doing these these new form, newest newer for, forms of escapism, basically, yeah. like yeah. trying to get out of the house. And then on top of it, you know, we've got like legislation that wants to like outlaw those things from them. Like, oh, they're not doing enough. And it's like, okay, well then, legislation needs to make it more accessible for them to have something to do. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, it's it, again, like everything boils down to the economics of how things are built. Yeah, if it's built in a way. That doesn't provide for there to be a positive outcome, then you're going to get a negative one. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. Period. So at the end of the day, when it comes to like what I was going through and all that stuff, mm-hmm. um, the only escape was me going to the military. That was it. Hell yeah. That was the only escape. Like I I was like, there's I can't get an education. My mom's too poor. Mm-hmm. I can't pay for school. Right. My dad, he was in the military, but he has no benefits to pass down to me. Mm-hmm. So I can't go to school based on my dad's military benefits. And then it's like, so the system just pushes you to become a cock. That's exactly what's happening in my community in San Marcos and in other places. Mm-hmm. I go back now and the people who didn't go to the military 
a lot of them are run down. Like right. a lot of them are just really hurt in life. And they're bogged down by the weight of having to work every day, nine to five, come home. They probably got a wife that they don't love. And mm-hmm. they, they're in a situation that they're just kind of stuck. A lot of them. I'm not going to say all of them. Mm-hmm. There are some successful ones. Like I had a few friends. Yeah, but that, it, that's the thing, though, right? Is it shouldn't be a trickle of success. Right. It should be like overwhelming success no yeah, matter exactly. who you are. Because exactly. we're all American. We're in the greatest. We're supposed to be in the greatest country in the world. Right. So then we should all be equally successful and all amazing at the same time. <laughs> we should all be and great. That's, <laughs> and that's the problem. The problem yeah. is, is that that's not the case. I didn't. Um, realize that or face that until, uh, excuse me, ultimately I went to, um, I graduated high school Mm -hmm. and I was living in an apartment. Crazy part is my mom put me on her lease. Mm -hmm. Had no idea that I was on a lease. Mm -hmm. My mom had me on her lease. So that was, that was a good thing though, because when it came time for me to get an apartment, we lived in low income housing. They had a wait list Mm -hmm. of like people who were supposed to be able to get in and all this other stuff. Well, because I was already on a lease, all they had to do was split the Mm. lease. So I got my apartment right away. Nice. So I was able to get an apartment directly across the hall from my mom. (laughs) Like you open (laughs) her door, there's my door. (laughs) Yeah. So we literally controlled. Now we, it's like we had a five bedroom because mm-hmm. I had a two bedroom and she had a three bedroom. Right. So it's like we literally controlled that whole bottom half. Now, right. if we would have band together as we should, right. right? And we would have put like foreign exchange students in those extra rooms. Mm-hmm. That's three foreign exchange students. That's ultimately that's making me and my mom could have had a whole business going on there. Yeah. Right. But because of the separation mm-hmm. in thought process, there's no possible way I could do business with my mom. Right. And there's no possible way she could do business with me. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? I agree. It's like somewhere along the way, they imparted division. Mm-hmm. And still to this day, like there's no way I could ever have a business with my mom. There's mm-hmm. no way I could have a business with my brother. And it's weird, but um, we're taught that. Mm-hmm. Like, yo. You do for you, I do for me. Yeah. We don't really have a camaraderie when it comes to that. Yeah. So leading into mental health, um, I was scarred horribly. Yeah. I didn't have enough of a vocabulary. I didn't have enough um, focus and, and all and you that You know what stuff. sucks is I bet you money you had teachers that were like, you got potential. I bet you money you heard that shit. So many. So, okay. Even if it wasn't teachers, like, you heard it, was it like though. Two percent. I've heard. I just, I just feel like it's, it's the talent. It's the people who are like, look at, for example, Tiffany Haddish. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Or um, the other black comedian, I forgot her name, Leslie something. Okay, yeah. but I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, they came from absolutely nothing too. Absolutely. A lot of black actors and actresses do. Oh, and that, every one of them, it seems like. And it it's doesn't just like seem this, like. I mean, all, now we're getting now we're getting the new generation of actors mm-hmm. who are actually coming from something because their parents were our, our like like. I feel like it's coming to a point where most black people in America are mm-hmm. starting to break away. From the bonds of Jim Crow, yeah, and all those. This transition takes time, right? Like we can't, we're not going to change overnight. I hate when people expect, like, oh, why do we still deal with this? And it's like, because <laughs> it takes time. <laughs> so it's like, so a lot of us 
are starting to touch money. A lot mm-hmm. of us are starting to touch uh, success. A lot of us are starting. It's not. It's not taboo anymore for there to be a black CEO. Mm-hmm. It's not taboo anymore for there to be um, a multi-millionaire or billionaire African American. Yeah. Um, or like a black woman in technology. Right. Like there's right. a lot of them now. Yeah. Right. There's so many. So it's not taboo for those things, and that's the reason why now we're starting to get this group mm-hmm. of individuals who can actually like contribute things and can actually do things. We have mm-hmm. directors, we yeah. have CEOs, we have all these different new businesses yeah. popping up all over the place. Um, and that's because they got to that point where they were like, listen, we're not going to, I'm not going to be a product of my parents. I'm not going to be yeah. that. You know what I'm saying? Fuck generational. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Fuck all that. Like, we're going to break all that right now. And that's another cool thing about millennials. Because, like, I, I, like, when I read the news, it's mostly, like, complaints about millennials. But when I meet millennials, I'm like, I can kind of tell you, like, want to take care of Gen Z a little bit. Like, you want to take care of them in a way that, like, we were neglected. Like, you're my stranger babies kind of thing. Like, like, I'm just going to pave the way because, like, your kids will be a generation under that, right? right. So it's just, like, you've got to, like, pave the way for the generation that's right under us now so that we can, like, help them pave the way for their kids. Yep. And And that's kind of, like, what it boils down to is, like, you know, you uh, the the coolest thing I ever heard somebody say is like you turn into the person you needed when you were young, and it's like so true because now um, instead of like because of all the things that I've gone through in music, and because of all the walls that I hit, and all the different pockets or areas of that I wanted to be in, I figured out a way, and then I turned around and said, hey. Don't waste your time. Mm-hmm. Like, let me tell you. Come over here. I'm not just going to tell you. I'm going to show you. Mm-hmm. Right? That's the difference. Uh, a lot of people say that they know certain things and they say they, they can do this, that, and the third. Right? Um, the issue is that there's no proof that you've done this or that you can do this. Mm-hmm. Right? You actually have to put it in action. And... Once you put it in action, now I can believe you because you have numbers, stats, you have awards, you have different open doors, you have things, you've accessed things that I've never been able to access. So in turn, now please mentor me because I need to know. Mm -hmm. That was me at a time where I was running around looking for knowledge and information. I want to know how to do this music business stuff. Right. Because everybody's like, yeah, you can have a dope song, but how are you going to get people this or how are you going to do that? Mm-hmm. I push so hard in audio. People, most people are like, bro, you don't even need a degree in audio. Like you can teach yourself. YouTube University, log in, teach yourself. And it's yeah. true. It's mm-hmm. true. Most uh, uh, most of the artists that it's we know true, today. But like, you know, what bothers me about kids saying that to each other is that you're saying like it's pointless to go challenge yourself. To see if you can, like, keep up with deadlines. It's stupid to go turn shit in on time. Like, yeah, that's yeah. basically what you're well, telling well, somebody. No, no, like, no. It's, this, it this sucks to I be mean. accountable. And it's like, no, 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 no. A, 
Going to school is a fucking winner, bro. Yeah. Like, you're no, a really winner. Is. It doesn't matter what you do. You don't even have to go to a traditional school or university. Yeah. You don't have to go to community college. You can go to, like, community center. Yeah. Take an art class. Yeah. But, like, just learning how to socialize with people, yeah, that, talking to your teacher, communicating, like, bullshit, like, processing what they're telling you. Yeah. It's worth it. It's always going to be worth it. Yeah. You know? So, so, so that that's my thing is, like, but at the same token— um, don't get me wrong. It has happened for a lot of people. No, I'm just glad that you did go to school. You know, right, what I'm right, right. Like, yeah, yeah. It's it's cool it, that if it does if it yeah. works out that way. Well, but at the same time, I'm talking it's not specifically bad, in the genre of music, right? Yeah. Like, if you're good, you're good. Right. Period. You can mm-hmm. walk in if you if you're a DJ and you've been DJing for your entire life, but you're not educated. There's nothing that can tell you that you're not a DJ. Like, right. You can go talent in. Talent is can, talent. Talent is talent. Thing. Yeah. Right? So with music. There's a possibility of you being found for your talent. Mm-hmm. Now, um, the possibility of you achieving um, the right type of record deal or the right type of um, exposure, the right type of shows, all that stuff, that comes from education. Oh, shoot. Oh. That, com- <laughs> that <laughs> comes from right. education, yeah, right? right? <laughs> so, Those are your pieces. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, based on your education, right, and mm-hmm. how educated you are, now you can move forward with the right type of deal that fits you. Mm-hmm. Without the education, all you have is talent. Mm-hmm. And talent isn't all of the industry. This is a business. Right. Right? So I had the talent. Mm-hmm. I wrote songs. I, 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 I don't know why you took down Nothing to Worry About. You know that's my favorite song. Yeah. like The video is cool. The colors. Like, yeah, I love like that song. It's super sick. But I love it. The issue was when we did the song, we weren't educated. Mm-hmm. So I do the song and I realize I didn't clear any samples. Oh. I don't have clearance to take these things and to run them. Even though I had a dope video, I had a dope everything, mm-hmm. dope campaign behind the song, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. None of the business was done for that song. There's no publishing on that song. There's no distribution. Like, the distribution was, like, through uh, TuneCore or something. Mm -hmm. And it was, like, trash. It was a horrible deal. Mm -hmm. Um, The, the, you know, so all these different things. I didn't have, I didn't own my own ISRC code at the time. ISRC code. You brought that up before I was going to make you expand on the show. Yeah. What is an ISRC code for, like, young music? Like, um, like, like if this person is 18, 19, 21, yeah, yeah, yeah. they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. What is that? Mm. No water. Tell us. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so ISRC code, um, and I make a big deal about this. A lot of people don't care, right? Um, but I do. So I started filling out paperwork for my music. Mm-hmm. Um, while I was trying to discover the proper way to release music to the general public. Mm-hmm. And on every single form, it said ISRC code. So I thought to myself, because... Is it like an ISBN number for a textbook or something? Yes. It's oh, identical. Okay. okay. Um, well, for a song... It's like a catalog serial number. ISWC is that. But we'll oh, get it, I'll get into that. I'm okay, learning so about music. Yeah, that's music. <laughs> okay, so... Um, so basically, I'm, I'm doing all these things. But 
it's asking me for an ISRC code mm-hmm. on literally everything. Mm-hmm. Like when it comes to neighboring royalties, the only way you can match up your neighboring royalties is by an ISRC code. Mm-hmm. The only way you can match up your sync licensing royalties is by an ISRC code. The only way you can claim it as a rights owner and a performer is via ISRC code. Like that oh, okay. one so it's like code, trademarking the song. Right. That okay, one gotcha. code is like... It goes everywhere. You mm-hmm. want to register your stuff with MediaBase. You want to re- put it BDS Radio at the time. BDS was now um, consumed by MediaBase. But if you want to put it in that, you need an ISRC code. If you want to register it with Luminate, which is what used to be Nielsen SoundScan, mm-hmm. is now consumed by Luminate. And Luminate is the one who keeps track. You register your ISRC codes there and the titles of your songs. So all of these things were asking me for an ISRC. How does that really benefit you as a musician? Um, Like if you are able to, and do you need like capital to do that or something? No, no, no. So an ISRC code, I'm going to get to the definition and then I'll explain how it benefits you, right? Okay, cool. Okay, so I... Wanted to know what it was. Mm -hmm. So I looked up the dictionary definition for what an ISRC code is. And in quotes, um, the ISRC code was created to signify the rights owner of a work. Okay. Mm. So basically, if I look up the ISRC code, it should trail me back to whoever the originator creator or the license holder of that record is, which is the copyright owner. So Mm, I see now, and that goes into two parts as well. There's two types of copyrights. There's a work of the performing arts copyright, Mm -hmm. and there's a sound recording or master copyright. Mm. Work of the performing arts. I'm going to give a scenario. Sia and Rihanna. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sia wrote Diamonds. Beautiful, like diamonds in oh, the yeah. sky. Oh, yeah. Right? Song. Sia wrote that. So mm-hmm. Sia and her team had, once they created that, they went and secured the work of the performing arts copyright on that record. Mm-hmm. Now, that signifies them and covers them under the bundle of rights, which is a whole nother thing. But the bundle of rights is what protects you as an owner of a creative work. Right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so once that's done, they submit it to a record pool. Once that record pool or a sync licensing agency or whatever gets a hold of that record and they start dishing it out to who they can dish it out to. Once it comes across the desk of Def Jam, mm-hmm. where Rihanna's he- held at, right? mm-hmm. Rihanna hears the record. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the credits, you'll notice a circle with a P in it. And the circle with the P signifies the sound recording or the master owner. And right Mm -hmm. after that, it'll say Def Jam and the year that the song was created. Right. right? Mm -hmm. So circle with a C in it is a PA copyright. That is the originator creator of the song. Mm -hmm. Circle with a P in it, P as in Paul, um, signifies the sound recording or master copyright owner. Mm, okay? Okay. So every time the song plays, a portion of the music goes to the original copyright owner as a rights owner, mm-hmm. right? And that's signified by a what? ISRC code. 
it all comes full circle. That's crazy. <laughs> right? <laughs> and then and then also the sound uh-huh. recording mm-hmm. is signified by its own ISRC code. Wow. So do they go to like a government entity or something like musicians? If yes. they're like, so I wrote a song in high school and I want to put my song out, but I want to make sure nobody steals it from my YouTube page, right? Because uh-huh. you know, I might, I might make money off of that when I turn twenty-five. I don't know. I'm fifteen. It's very easy, right? It's very. So easy. what do they do? So you go to eco.copyright.gov. Once you've created your record, don't leak it to anyone. Mm-hmm. Keep it to yourself. Don't send it through email. Don't do any of that. eco.copyright.gov. Sign up and make a account. It's free. Okay, and then once it's you have free, an account, that means don't let anybody tell you that they can set it up for you. Right, okay? it's free, <laughs> just like you're it is free. Go there, you set it up, and then once you're inside of the portal, you register a unpublished work, mm-hmm. and then you make sure you click um, uh, work of the performing arts, and then once you're done with that, fill out all the information. And there's two payment options. So payment option number one is $65 for 10 versions of one song. And then there's another payment option for 10 songs, right? One version for $85. So it's like a group of unpublished works. Yeah, so So, if you're doing like um, chill lo-fi beats, you'd probably be purchasing a different package than somebody who's singing and stuff like that. Exactly. So um, depending on what type of copyright you're getting it's literally 65 bucks <laughs> your song you want to put that song out later but you want to own it all you have to do is get covered under the bundle of rights the minute you're covered mm. now you have a master what you do with it is how you generate income or revenue um if you don't know what to do with it then uh, you know my my thought is find someone who does Mm-hmm. And typically, that's what happens with record labels. They know what to do with your masters. Yeah. So at the end of the day, they're going to give you a deal based on what they've projected to be able to do on a part of the music that you're making. Yeah. Because so, yeah. Because uh, or if you don't have the money to do that, or you can't get with a record label, right? You can also go to a copyright attorney and talk right. to them, and they can advise you too for a little away, bit cheaper. Copyright attorneys but, would be throwing away money because copyrights are very easy to achieve. No, no, no. They can do advice though. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. can do advice on contract law. So yeah. them and entertainment attorneys. So they yeah. can give you like advice on contract law. So if you receive like a document and it says. Hey, I found this track on YouTube. I really want to use it to sample for another song, blah, 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 blah. You know, and you don't have a record label yet. You can go to like somebody in your community, uh, probably go to like your, uh, what is it called? It's like your local attorney resource. Uh, every state has it because um, in order to become an attorney, attorneys have to do pro bono work. So they will help you and they will help advise you. And you can go through those attorney services right. instead um, if you don't have a record label yet because, you know, they probably most likely don't. Yeah, <laughs> you know? nine times out of ten. Yeah. yeah, and some people don't even want to go with record labels. They're not ready yeah. for the big team of people that yeah, are constantly going to be it's bothering like, them. The thing is, is that whether you're working with an excuse me already established um, machine mm-hmm. or you're trying to build a self sufficient machine, yeah, uh, it's a machine nonetheless. They right. all run the same. That's one thing that you're going to learn about music business. There's a million different ways to market yourself. Mm -hmm. But as far as the business of music, there's only one way to do it. It's either the right way or the wrong way. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing everything right, 
and you're signing up for the right portals and you're making, we call them portals because you have to go through some things to get to some things, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a portal. You have to go into their space and you have to know how to navigate that space. Um, So if you're going through the right portals and you're setting up everything to kind of like pay back into you, Mm -hmm. then why do you need a record label? Right. right. What What do you need them for? And um, it really just depends on what you're producing too. Right. I mean, some some Listen, music is just not complicated out, to produce. Yeah, I have figured <laughs> out that you could literally sing the ABCs. Yeah. Because the ABCs is a world like a United States recognized song. Yeah. So it's there's just like billions of versions of the ABCs. Yeah. It's and, just like literature. Like yeah, after like a certain amount of time, it becomes public domain. Yeah. Right. It's like public domain. Yeah. So it's like. You could sing the ABCs five different ways, mm-hmm. and you can make crazy money off of that. Yeah, and, and happy birthday. Yeah, and happy birthday. And Stevie Wonder did it. Yeah. He did it. Exactly. <laughs> so there's so many different things that are already out there that you could do. Mm-hmm. And um, I figured out a way to, um, like, I've, I've literally cracked the code on the industry and how the industry works and where the money goes and how to collect money, CSV files on CSV files on CSV files, you know, <laughs> of just awesome. different data and how to look at that data and read it and understand, you know, where your music is playing, who's yeah. paying the most, who's paying the least, um, you know, cross analyze different data from different places Western regions, uh, south, southern regions, yeah. Midwest, up north, like everything, everything. Other countries, how to acquire that data and understand. Everything is literally data-driven. Mm-hmm. And as long as you have access to those numbers and that data, well, now you can kind of fine-tune your approach yeah. to, to, to everything. Um, so that leads me into... Um, uh, back into the ISRC code. So, again, the ISRC code it was was created to signify the rights owner of a work. Mm-hmm. So, if you own the work, now you are the one who's supposed to reap the benefits. So, who are the people who collect those benefits for you? Um, and then you work your way backwards. That's what we didn't do. Mm-hmm. We thought we had to work forwards. I had to have the music first. Mm-hmm. And then I had to have the the copyrights and then the publishing and then this and that and then no i had to figure out first where do i want to be at what's my end goal mm-hmm. right so my end goal i want to be a successful writer producer um all these different things i want my credits i want this i want that okay cool mm-hmm. uh what are those royalties called what are those things that you want to achieve well you have digital performance royalty performance royalty um um, rights ownership royalties, neighboring royalties, sync licensing royalties, um, distributive royalties or mechanical royalties, right? Um, publishing mm-hmm. um, and grand, uh, it's called grand performance royalties. So like if you're doing stadiums and arenas and things like that, right? Yeah. So you have all those royalties. Okay, cool. Now who collects those royalties for me? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now uh, how do I qualify to have a license to business with the businesses that collect those royalties for me and then you just knock them off one by one and the only time you can say that you actually have a relationship with them is when you have a login and password 
to the portal mm-hmm. that collects those for you. Right. Otherwise, you don't got it. Yeah, because that gives you like it's got to give you control over like distribution or something. I think you mentioned right. that once before. So yeah, so there's distribution, there's publishing, mm-hmm. there's copyright ownership. And there's sync licensing. So it's four ways, mm-hmm. right? And then in that, there are subsidiary royalties that fall underneath that. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to like neighboring royalties, for instance, that's all kind of falls under like mechanicals mm-hmm. because um, who transfers yen into American dollar? There's an exchange rate. Right. Right. And in that exchange rate, what company controls that exchange rate? Well, mm-hmm. it's not exchange. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Controls it. It's in the name. So Sound Exchange controls your exchange rate mm-hmm. from other countries. And they'll they'll collect for you worldwide. That's awesome. There's also Song Trust. Song mm-hmm. Trust takes care of your neighboring royalties on another note. Mm-hmm. Because here in the States we have publishing companies, right? So there's a treaty that went down between all musicians and like public music and all this other stuff. You can look it up. I don't remember the year. But I know it happened. Um, <laughs> no all worries. These different people mm-hmm. signed this treaty. I'll look it up for you. Except for America and Canada and I think Mexico. For like licensing for music? Right. For oh, music. Wow. So um, that's the reason why America has ISRC codes. Mm-hmm. And outside of America and other countries, they have what's called IFP. I-F-P-I. It's basically the same thing called the IFP grid code. <laughs> but it's international. But it's international. Gotcha. So you need that code. Like, see, I'm dropping gems right now. <laughs> like, You are. Yeah, no, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's great. Like, so in, it's like, you know, if you guys want even more, Chris runs a business, uh, music business course. Yes. This resource is for you. All right. This is one of my friends. I know a lot of people out there have a really hard time getting into music. And he's a resource, and he does a class, he does coaching. Yep. You can reach out to him on Instagram. Um, everything will be linked under the episode, and just reach out to him, ask him some questions. I mean, it doesn't hurt to ask. If he doesn't yeah. have time, he won't get to you, but if he does, Yeah, it doesn't hurt to, to ask um, consultations. I do all those things. Yeah. Um, me and a select group of people have banded together to kind of you know, bring all this to light. We're currently putting together a book. We're currently putting together curriculum. We're putting together all kinds of stuff to be added to colleges to actually help and aid in the things that are supposed to be being done yeah. for on a part of the music business. Um, it's, it's very important knowledge. Yeah. And uh, the issue that we have is that people tend to like, well, if I'm good enough, I don't need all that. You know yeah, I mean? like, oh, I I've got, heard that before. I got talent. Yeah. I can sing. I can rap. I can do this. Me, personally, I'm the type of person who doesn't care for none of that. Like, I don't we'll care. Cut off later. Yeah, I, I'm, the, I'm the type of person who doesn't care if you can sing or rap or do whatever. Because if you can't make a dollar off of it, then you're spinning your wheels. It's a, it's a hobby for you. I, and I shouldn't be listening. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't be paying into you or supporting you running a hamster wheel mm-hmm. that's what i mean it's not that i shouldn't be supporting you because you're my friend and i i fuck with you and you know everything is everything but if your end goal isn't to be the best singer mm-hmm. in the world if your end goal isn't to be one of the best 
or amongst the best rappers in the world. Mm-hmm. If your end goal is not to do that, and that takes and that shows in your actions, not in your words. Your words might say that that's your end goal, mm-hmm. but your actions don't say that this is what you're not trying to be. LeBron. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're not trying to be Michael Jordan. You're not trying to be. Uh, we can use Serena too. <laughs> yeah, Serena Williams. You're not trying to. You know what I mean? Yeah. If Honestly, you are they not trying to hard. replace those people. <laughs> yeah. In music, mm. I'm saying. So it's like Michael Jackson is the top of the top, mm-hmm. right? As a singer, you should be wanting to be like Michael Jackson, the top of the top, mm-hmm. or amongst the great. So maybe it's Not like saying like you know model yourself after them, but I'm saying like yeah, what you're reaching for should be the top of the mountain. Yeah, and if you're not reaching for that at this level, yeah, low level, bottom level, ground level zero, mm-hmm. you're not reaching for that, and that shows in your actions by educating yourself mm-hmm. by. Making sure that when you open your mouth, like, you can stand on it, right? Mm -hmm. Making sure that you are fully knowledgeable and capable of creating the machine and running the machine. All those things. If you cannot do that, Mm -hmm. if you can't do that, and you're at the bottom level as an artist, that's what you need to be striving for. Yeah. More understanding, more... Uh, uh, um, more education. Also, I'd like to make it a point. You need to be open to collaboration too. Oh, like yeah, you yeah. can't be walking out there into the art world expecting to do everything alone. Right. Like you need to open your heart and your mind and. You can have a badass attitude about being like a bad bitch or being cool. And like you can be confident. There's nothing wrong with confidence, but there's a problem with arrogance. Yeah. And if you can't draw the line between those, just don't do it at all. Just yeah. be humble. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't even try. Now, I, don't I, even I, try. I just heard something the other day, right? Um, um, to me, humble is a bad word. And let me tell you why. Um, the definition, and this is verbatim of what I heard. Right from this guy, but he broke down the definition and he said the definition of being humble is literally taking yourself, pulling back, mm-hmm. and putting someone else before you, mm-hmm. and, and saying, "Yeah, look at look up the definition." I am gonna look it up. Cause I don't know about all of that. <laughs> yeah, and it was like putting someone else before you and like gratifying someone else before it's you. It's an adjective that says Over- having or showing a modest or low estimate. Of one's own importance. Okay, so break that down. One's own importance. Like a low estimate of one's own importance. No, no, no. Having or showing yeah. a mindset of that. You don't yeah, have yeah, to yeah. have it. You can also true, just be true. exerting it outwards, but I think, right? I, but I think that at all times, you should be unapologetically you. That's what I think. I think mm-hmm. at all times, you should be unapologetically you. Yeah, no, 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 for sure. I'm just talking about. You're dope. You're dope. I was just talking about when it comes in terms of confidence versus arrogance. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. If you can't teeter on the fine line, yeah, yeah. Best not to teeter at all. (laughs) Yeah, no, I feel you 100%. Like, that's the thing is like, you know, I think that um, having a high level of confidence in yourself is not pinning yourself against other people. Exactly. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, arrogant is like, like, just walk, like, arrogance is like, like 
hearing that uh, you went to a restaurant and you were treating customer service people a certain way because you have status. And mm-hmm. people could tell that you were doing that because of your actions. Right. Though we can't read your mind, people could tell, right? Right. So that's kind of like that arrogance line. Like, you can be confident and be like, yeah, I have a show tonight to the server. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to be like, um, I could piss on you in the middle of the night. And it <laughs> wouldn't even matter. I could get away with it. Like, no, you don't have to be yeah. a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can just be, you can exude confidence in a kind way. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, sure. there's nothing wrong with, like, spreading the word. Oh, you've never met me before. Yeah. Well, I've never met you either. Like, yeah. I'm an artist. Yeah. I like to sing, you know. Dope. Like, you gotta, like, be cool about it, you know. Like, yeah. Those are that. the people that have the most fans, you I know. Yeah, those are the people. And, the, and nine times out of ten, like, it comes off that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't met a lot of very arrogant people. Other that than are successful people. anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. But <laughs> I have met a lot of, um, let's just say, like, like bottom of the barrel artists who are like, I'm the shit. Look at yeah. me. Yeah. Like, bro, I'm telling you, I'm this, I'm that. And you're just looking at them like, bro, you're really like, because I know the business and because I know how it's like conducted. Like, you're really the bottom of the bottom. Like, I'm the bottom of the bottom, and I have all this knowledge. I think the best attitude to have when you're going towards something is probably to just keep going. Like, even if you're good, like, we could take Beyonce, Taylor Swift, any of these musicians that Mm. are, like, just phenomenal, whatever they are. Yeah. And, but I bet you money if you ask them in a candid sit-down, you're like, do you still want more? They'd all say, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would still want to be better. Like, yeah. I would never stop, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what keeps them going, and that's what keeps you going. And this brings us back to, like, that traumatic being in the funk feeling, trying to get motivated out of that. It's just, yeah. like, there's very few successful musicians that haven't been in some type of funk themselves, right? Oh, yeah. No, trust me. Um, When I was younger, I was, like, 180 pounds soaking wet you know what i mean mm-hmm. um and then when i got out of the military um i stopped working out i stopped doing all these things and i kind of like gained a lot of weight you mm-hmm. know so i'm like currently i'm like 315 you know what i mean yeah um, but you're tall so true you always but, have to like take off like, yeah, 50 yeah. pounds for heights <laughs> but <laughs> at, at the same token it's like you know uh i went through a huge um a huge depression mm-hmm. as far as like like looks, visuals, all that stuff, music videos, different things like that. I just didn't feel like doing it anymore. Mm-hmm. And it kind of bogged me down. Um, but what broke that funk was just knowing that I am who I am, regardless of what I look like or what, what whatever. Um, if it's knowledge you're after, that has nothing to do with my looks. Mm-hmm. If it's if it's my work ethic and what I do, my drive, all that other stuff, that has nothing to do with anything else. So that's all like a self-esteem issue, like a, an issue of self, you know? Yeah. And, so it's like, and a part of getting through that is taking responsibility to say, I have an issue. Right. And, you know, bank on the art. Keep making art. This is one thing I, I really have to stress to people is like— don't stop whatever you do. Like, even if you feel like shit, go in the studio, go to your canvas, mm-hmm. go to your water, oops, your, <laughs> go, <laughs> go to your watercolors, whatever you do as um, your, like, your conduit to just, like, showing the world how you're processing an emotion, do it and keep doing it. And because the more you do it, this is why they, 
this is important for kids to do this shit in school. The more you do it during trauma, the more resilient you become when it comes again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it is going to come again. Like, to think that your life is never going to be as hard as it is right now is bullshit. It's going to be. (laughs) It's going to be. But as you age, you know, millennials, we can tell you, it gets easier to laugh at. It does. Because then you start realizing, like, now I understand what people say when they say that something's bullshit. Because it's laughable. You know what I mean? It's almost laughable. And, you know, if you're younger and you're, like, trying to get your music off the ground, you're feeling, like, defeated, you've got people around you that are telling you, like, mean shit— Fuck all of that yeah, all, and all focus on yourself. Throw it all out the window. Like, yeah. That's the thing. It's like I I um I ended up like coming to terms with the fact that um like I wasn't gonna be the artist that I set out to be. Mm-hmm. Right? And and that's a hard thing, a harsh reality. Mm-hmm. Um it's kind of like the matrix in a way, right? Where it's like you're operating. It's better not yeah, to it's know. Like the, uh, it's like the reverse. Like for yeah. him, he was like, my life's so boring. Oh, yeah. there's a whole world out there. And for you, yeah. you're like, this is really exciting. But now I just realized my life is boring yeah. kind of a thing. Well, for me, it was Even like more so like, like <laughs> if, if I had to be a character, I'd be the dude who um, who like betrayed them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And the one who was like, he was like, you see this steak? Like this steak tastes really good. Yeah. But I know it's a simulation. Mr. Anderson, yeah. Yeah, not, not Mr. Anderson. That was the main character, but the other— Oh, Neo is Mr. Anderson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy yeah. that keeps calling him Mr. Anderson. Yeah, not him. That guy? Oh, okay. The, the other dude, the um, Apoc or something like that. I don't know. What, remember his name. The fucking asshole. Yeah, he did betray them. That bastard. Remember, remember when him. he was like—and like, then he was like, uh, kiss, <laughs> kiss what's-her-name goodbye, and he like, yeah. pulled her thing out. Yeah. You know what I mean? But— he was sitting at the table and he was like, you know, I don't, I don't like, he's like, so what are you? Cause the guy that he had a, he betrayed him. Mm-hmm. He sat down and he said, listen, like uh, the issue is, is that I know. Mm-hmm. And that's what really fucks me up. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm and saying? And he would have been happier living in Bolivia. And that he was his whole thing. Yeah. He yeah. was like, I would have been happier. Just, just make it to where I don't remembering any of this stuff yeah he was like we can do that for you but you got to give us neo right, 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 right. he was like fuck it yeah. <laughs> like anything i you mean know? they were eating slop and living in like right, rags right. <laughs> so he's like anything it's like i want steak. so for me not to say that i'm a backstabbing weirdo but <laughs> to, but to say that i understand his plight because here i am now in the industry mm-hmm. and it's taken away my joy of being a creative and being an artist because I realize that those who are doing that are prey. Right. Period. Mm -hmm. It's all you are until you educate yourself and you wake up from the matrix. And Mm -hmm. once you figure out how this shit works, then you're going to start looking at those people different. You're not even going to want to be around them Mm -hmm. because you realize how much they preyed on you and your talent and your drive and your tenacity and all those nights you were sitting in the studio and you were making songs and every fucking 
dickhead who walked in and sat down with you and played their entire catalog of music for you. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know those fucking Chris guys. Put some unfinished business over here. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you know those kidding. guys who walk in the studio and you're in the studio, they're like, yo, pass me the ox real quick. Let me play you. Yes, that. yes. And then you sit there and then they're like, yeah, yeah. So I make this song. Check this out. Yo, I got this one too. Check this out. Okay, yeah. one more. I, li- listen to it. And you, by the time you're done listening to those records, yeah. you've wasted like three, four fucking hours. And then you get out of there and you never hear from those people again. You don't even see their music. You know, I've wanted to so put weird. that up as a post on like Instagram or Facebook <laughs> for so long, but I just don't, I'm not into offending people. Right. You know what I'm saying? But there are so many artists that I know, that I personally follow, that are now like fucking furniture salesmen. Mm-hmm. And like they work for FedEx mm-hmm. and, and they're not even doing music. And so I think back on all the time that we spent in the studio together for you to become a fucking roofer, bro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just lets you like accumulate all the time that you spent with those type of people who were literally I call them space fillers Mm -hmm. they were literally time time eaters Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying they come in and they just chomp up bulk batches of time Mm -hmm. that you cannot get back so and, and, and so it's like that's what I mean by like Time is a hot commodity. Uh, what? It really is. <laughs> it really is. And you don't know when your time clocks up. You don't know when. Yeah. Like, I always think about this. Like, what's your activating moment? And what yeah. I mean by that is, like, when is the play button push on the last moment of your life? That's the scary thing. <laughs> I you get electrocuted. I, mean? I, know. <laughs> I already know what's going to happen. Right? <laughs> I'm going like, to be making Thanksgiving dinner and get electrocuted. That's crazy. Like, I, I think... <laughs> I think of like my activating moment and it's like sometimes when you leave the house mm-hmm. and you're just in your car and you're riding or whatever, I'm backing out of my driveway and I'm like, am I pushing play right now? Yeah. Because this it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, so like I'm like weird. really weary and weird about like I think that happens because you've had a lot of friends pass away though. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. the closer you are to death, the more you think about it. Yeah. You know, yeah. but I, I, I think that. Um, over time, I just learned how to just keep moving forward no matter what. Mm-hmm. And I had to recreate myself because Chris Starr, the artist, is, I wouldn't say is no more. Mm-hmm. But because of like police brutality and the way I was raised and all these other things, it was like the straw that broke the camel's back during COVID when I was just like, oh shit, we can't perform anymore. Mm. Like everything shut down. Yeah, like you can't do. I was on a roll. If if COVID would have never happened, I probably would still be trying to be an artist and putting out music and going to LA and doing shows and doing all this shit, mm-hmm. right? But then COVID happened, and then a bunch of people lost their lives for no fucking reason. Yeah. They were getting robbed. Um, PPP loans started running out. Mm-hmm. So the whole, all of Los Angeles just went upside down mm. and, you know, all kinds of stuff just really started pulling me away. Mm-hmm. Um, 
violence and all this. When I was little, I wanted to be like Usher. Like I wanted to be an Usher. Mm-hmm. Right? That's why I was singing R&B first. I wanted to sing. I wanted to dance. I loved the stage. I loved all those things. And over the years, I slowly moved into like a Tupac phase and an NWA phase. Mm-hmm. And uh, fucking because I got beat up by the police. I yeah. literally got pulled over. Well, also, not to be rude, yeah. I'm not trying to be mean, but you are a little nerdy, which is probably why you like NWA too. Right. They were, gonna, they were a little geeky. Yeah, yeah. Like, like that's my thing is like, you know, I, I just started looking at economics. I started yeah. looking at how things were derived. What are we built on top of? You know, what mm-hmm. is our foundation? And I started seeing that, you know, um, like the basis of police officers. Yeah. Like police came from sundown towns and like, yeah, you needed a sheriff and you need somebody to lock up all the people who are doing bad shit. But for the most part, the police department was stood up to police black people from mm-hmm. running like runaway slaves, sundown mm-hmm. towns where you yeah. couldn't be outside past seven o'clock. And I know LA has a really bad problem because of the freeway system oh, out man, there. Like basically segregates everybody. Or yeah. It's, it's horrible. And it's like, and you know it's so bad about that. It's hot as fuck out there too. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. oh, you can have all this hatred under all this heat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need to take a damn break. Yeah, right. Like that's <laughs> the thing. The bus stop. <laughs> it's just it's so ridiculous to see. Um, but at the same, like I was there. We were there during the riots in '92. We were at my mm, grandmother's house and we were just kind of like chilling. And I didn't really understand. I was so young. I was like seven years old. Um, what part were y'all living in by then? We weren't living there. We were visiting my grandmother. She um, lived in like Crenshaw District. Right? Yeah, I'm from Oceanside. Oceanside. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, I was born in Oceanside mm-hmm. uh, at Tri-City Hospital. And then my family lived there like near Livy Lake for like a long time. And then um, they ended up ultimately moving us to San Marcos mm-hmm. when I was a like six yeah seven San Marcos isn't too bad though yeah it's not too bad it's really spread out my influence is from Oceanside because I grew up in the church in Oceanside I did a lot of my extracurricular activities in Oceanside except for football played football in San Marcos Mm -hmm. um but, what position did you play? Uh, tight end, left out. Like, <laughs> well, what yeah, the fuck? like super big guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> left out. That's what I played. Uh, I didn't even really play that much. Yeah, I was just on a team because my dad loved sports when we were younger, so he he made sure that the boys played football. Cool. You know, me and my older brother. Um, but, um, yeah. So our influence is of Oceanside, being that, um, like all my parents friends and family and everything mm-hmm. were all in Oceanside. So we would cool. be there. Like we'd take trips from like to get away for the day. We'd go well, to the, the cookouts pier. were basically. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. All the cookouts. We'd go to the pier. We'd fish all day. Like we just were, we'd hang we out went, in Oceanside. When we were kids, we went out to Poway because there's like trailer homes out there. Mm-hmm. And that's where my grandma lives. In a little tiny little trailer yeah, house. That's a, it's she crazy. Drive, I think she drove a golf have, cart like, or somebody in her neighborhood drove a golf cart. I can't remember. Yeah, it's crazy <laughs> how like grandparents always have like those dope out of town, outside <laughs> yeah. type of they have, like, houses. Cool houses. Yeah. Like, they have, they, the, but the house she is so cool dope. House. Yeah, she did. But you're like way in the boonies. Like, yeah, she can was. Can we be closer <laughs> to civilization? Hey, what the fuck? That's so funny. Yeah, my I think I have, I have an uncle in Hemet, and then I have some family 
I think they still, I think my aunt still lives in San Marcos and I have another aunt that's like in that new city like Point Mesa, Mesa, Point Loma. So Point it's, Loma. It's a brand new city. Yeah. It's like maybe two or three years old. Maybe I actually I was out there last in twenty fifteen, so it's probably like ten years old now. Okay. okay. But it was a, a new city at the time. It's that place where they had those like chicken chicken murders, like what? You've never heard that that no, no. story. So basically, going off on a tangent here, true crime stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There was like some guy that was like bringing people out to a chicken farm and murdering them. And like he like abused a, a family member. Like he had a family member living there like as a prisoner or something. It's crazy. It's like a really I like Riverside, find, isn't it? No, it's like the chicken murders. <laughs> I just remember the chickens. I don't he would keep the, the kids in the coop, right? The Wineville chicken coop murders. Also, yeah, he'd keep them in the coop. Yeah, 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 yeah. that is where that I city remember is. That. That's, that's in Riverside. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. like the Riverside's huge. Yeah, Riverside's I think about ridiculous. it. That big ass county. Yeah, yeah. Because Hamilton really Riverside too, yep. and Menifee. Yep, Hamilton, Menifee, Marietta, Temecula. That's all Riverside County. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, we drove past it, me and my wife did, because we wanted to know, like, because it's not yeah, far from where we live, and she likes documentaries. <laughs> yeah. So we got in the car, and we're just driving. We drove right past that shit. Like, That's crazy. Yeah, it's it's nuts how, like, those kind of things happen. And, the craziest stuff happens in California, though. Oh, like, yeah. you guys take no, 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 the we, bar for crazy no, shit. Hold on. No, for sure. fuck no. No. Florida man. Okay. He yeah. gets— <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Florida's pretty Florida weird. Florida man. Yeah. I would like never no, go there. I was I was sitting there and I was looking at like I'm like okay California does have some oh wild my God. shit. There's a lot of people who die every single day in California because we have LA. Yeah, and LA has so many freaking gangs and it has so many. But you know what? Like there's there's huge ceasefires everywhere. Yeah, it's not as bad as it used to be. I mean I went to Compton and I saw a bunch of like white kids riding around on scooters and fucking bro. It's, Inglewood you know, is you know, gentrified as fuck. Yeah, now. so it's like they're <laughs> yeah. gentrifying the shit out of it. They're trying to change yeah. a lot of things. This and, is what I always tell people about gentrification like we can't let people live in old dusty ass homes i know yeah. gentrification sucks but we cannot let people live in old dusty ass houses right exactly <laughs> like at some point you gotta refurbish upgrade do some shit they should and, have done it as like a rebate program like hey if you get your house like if you get your insulation changed out we'll give you like a tax break like, yeah that would be cool. something like something yeah but they're not going to do that because it's mostly black people well and it makes and, sense not to mention, yeah. um, <laughs> so most like, black people, so most black know. people in those areas don't have a lot of money. They're working basic oh, jobs. Oh yeah, I and know. Yeah, getting by. That's what I don't understand. Like, how do you? How are you able to to afford to live in Los Angeles when Los Angeles, like, to get a three bedroom house is like eight hundred and ninety nine thousand dollars? It's like, yeah. wait, what? Like, I think most of the people that are in low income housing get those two generations. Yeah. So I don't like think they're like buying new houses. Yeah. Um, but so that wraps up our episode. Um, We've got like 10, eight minutes. But let me just do my exit thing. They'll, they'll just edit this out, this part of us okay. talking. Um, so that wraps up our episode here on Adult Kids Podcast. Remember, you're always a kid at heart, and um, the younger you is trying to teach you something new. Um, and if you were wondering what game was on the table, we were playing Hive earlier as a warm-up. Uh, super cool game. You've got to try it because it's kind of like chess. Yeah. It is. It's dope. Um, and that's a wrap. 
Smile at the camera. <laughs> you don't even know where it is. That's my Nacho Libre smile. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Adult Kids Podcast. Keep it trill, as we say in H-Town. Thank you.